motherfucker. Welcome to A Simple Podcast, a podcast where we examine the 2018 classique film, A Simple Favor. Who is we? I am Christina Tucker, a writer, podcaster, general homosexual about the internet. Who are my co-hosts? Introduce yourselves, friends. I am Jordan Cruciola, a fellow Simple Podcast enthusiast, a writer, queer about town as well. Uh, maybe we'll get into it later, but I'll specify panromantic gray asexual because I like to throw that out as a talking point to get things started. And uh, that I will throw now to our third co-host in the game. I am Alana Bennett. Uh, I am a culture writer and screenwriter and also queer person living, specifically a bisexual woman who was very affected by this film. Here we are. I'm excited for all of us. Here we are. Let's talk about what we're trying to address on this podcast, where we examine this classic film. What do we want to talk about, friends? Jordan, start us off. Uh, yeah, but I, uh, I'll share just a note about the origin story. We were in a different set of at replies on Twitter where I mentioned a simple podcast to Alana, which involved, like, thankfully, the, the sea brought in Christina and we became a small bond of, of a Simple Favor fans, to which point I almost immediately DM'd them, was like, do you guys want to do a mini-series pod entirely dedicated to talking about a Simple Favor? And it was, immediate. to my great delight, an immediate chorus of yeses. And yeah. immediate. And, and my real hope here is that we can just do something fun in a dark little time but also, like, this is a movie that came out, and, and as I was saying to you guys before we started recording, it kind of feels like, despite the very high-gloss sheen of it and the great promotion and marketing behind it, it still feels like an inside joke among the people who saw it because it was it didn't, like, reach this critical mass, but I feel like anybody who, who partook was like, <laughs> that was so good. Do you guys realize how good that was? And we're all just privately happy about it together, and I want to take that private joy and I want to go deep on it, and I want to, and then I want to spread it out. I want to spread it out among everybody. We need to share it. We need to spread the joy in these dark times. We need some exquisitely tailored suits yes. and mm-hmm. genre bending that some people who watched it did not quite understand because <laughs> it doesn't fit into the boxes that a lot of other cinema mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. But it is great cinema. Yes, pure. I think pure cinema. also explaining the joy of being so confused <laughs> by this movie based on its marketing, which we will get into, don't worry. Um, yeah. And then just sitting in the theater and having one of the most delightful experiences of my young life. Um, I think that was really <laughs> thrilling for me. And again, the suits are so good. How, how could we ignore them? Yeah. And that, that, it, that they were brought to the press tour too. Like yes. it was... A recognition, particularly like Blake and who was styling her, that like, you know what, we're going to take the suit aesthetic because we know exactly how people are going to respond to this. And we're going to take this into the whole real life marketing tour. And she brought the whole (laughs) attitude of the character with her. So it was the holistic way that this movie was brought to us with the attitude that that a simple favor had Mm -hmm. in it really like helped sell the message for me. And this was this was my most anticipated movie I think of 2020 when I knew it was coming out like yes. I don't remember I couldn't tell you what else yeah 2018 sorry sorry who knows what time, time does have, time doesn't exist yeah. anymore it time doesn't exist yesterday. anymore and 
movies don't exist any new movies don't exist anymore so, we so that's spend that time be talking about the old ones that's that's why we're here <laughs> yeah sorry to christopher nolan <laughs> yeah. yeah sorry it's not about that film it is about this film and costume designer renee ehrlich kalfas shout out to that lady uh, absolutely and just the various personalities that build this movie like the the blake lively of it who oh, like hmm. very like painstakingly went like through she like she really committed to this character she really she was involved in so many of the costumes in uh in a, a way little that almost felt like portrait. a catharsis yes it felt, it felt yes. like a catharsis for yeah. her as a as a working professional and we will we will do a whole episode on the blake through of it um yep. yeah the kendrick of it all the kendrick. bringing all oh, yeah. of that kendrick energy and the utilizing <laughs> it so perfectly the yeah. fig of it all simply the fig, the fig, of, it fig all. of it all mm-hmm. i think we have our episode title for that one Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You guys are getting. Yeah. You guys are like like absorb these things, internalize what we're saying, hold on to certain (laughs) vocabulary words here. The Blake through the fig of it all. Like this is this is what's coming your way. Yes. Um. In in however many uh, a handful of episodes we decide to do about this podcast. However many. It's all up to us. This podcast has everything: queer theory, gender theory, cocktails, suits, incest. Got some incest (laughs) in there. Those are the big five, honestly. <laughs> the, 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 yeah. When it comes Those to the movies. Food groups. The Those rubric. are the film food groups right there. Yeah. It's got it. Yeah, a dash of a dash of Henry Golding's semi flavor. <laughs> yes, I'm a part of Nancharla. Andrew Rannells. We've really yeah. got just a, a a journeyman's cast happening. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you listening who are maybe not super familiar with a simple favor. First of all, you should go watch it. Shame. <laughs> Available on Hulu. You can just stream that right away on Hulu. But a simple favor is a film released in 2018, written by Jessica Charger, who elsewhere in her screenwriting career wrote for The L Word, which feels very relevant to this. <laughs> to what we will wow. be discussing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also wrote mm-hmm. for American Horror Story, as well as writing the screenplay for the 20. Uh, to know as well as writing the screenplay for the 2004 adaptation of Speak and various other things. It was adopted from the novel. It was adopted. I don't know words. (laughs) Words are hard. Famously, words are hard. It was adapted from the novel. More and more all the time. More and more all the time. Uh, It was adapted Mm -hmm. from the novel by Darcy Bell, which the Richmond Times dispatch writer Jay Stratford described as Gone Girl, Gone Nuclear, Gone Girl on steroids, amphetamines, and cocaine. Uh, it was directed by the one and only Paul Feig, most well known for Bridesmaids and Freaks and Geeks, but we'd be remiss if we didn't also mention The Heat and Spy. He is a favorite to me personally. <laughs> and A Simple Favor was pitched as a take on Gone Girl and Girl on the Train, but as we will explore in this here podcast, it is so much more. Girl on the Train wishes, frankly. Exactly. It could never. It could never. I, and you know it hurts me no. to say that because my <clears throat> queen Allison Janney is absolutely in Girl on a Train and no. It just doesn't. <laughs> I love an Emily Blunt. It doesn't she would have done great in a simple favor but she Girl on I a mean, Train. I mean if, no. if 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 forever drunk Girl on a Train Emily Blunt had just shown up in universe <laughs> in a simple favor it wouldn't have been entirely out of She would have done better there. She would have. I don't know why. <laughs> yes. In my brain, that girl on the train, Emily Blunt, and that Amy Amy Adams movie where she's stuck in the window that we're never going to see is 
the woman in the oh, window. The I don't know why those two are like the same movie to me, but they seem to be in context with each other. And I, I hope that happens. I have, but I have never even heard of this movie, but now I will look up Amy Adams stuck in a window. <laughs> That's a good meme. What is she doing? What is she doing we there? Don't know. She's stuck. Yeah. Who is she? Who is she? Free her. <laughs> oh my god that's so agonizing and now it now it's just amy adams looking at the oscars from that goddamn yes. window that she should have had three in her possession by now oh terrible do we want to go around and talk about how we each found this blissful film yeah absolutely who wants to go first all right, I will. I will. Go, I can dive into that. Um, I I remember vividly when the trailer for this movie came out. The just those like moving box image across the screen, like general blackness with like the pops of color, and to just I mean the power that that trailer conveyed with Blake Lively simply walking through the rain with her face obscured, her golden hair flowing down her once we as we said impeccably tailored suit. I was all in from the start as we get that image of her and then we get like a slowly crashing car and then it's like from Paul Feig and everything made me more everything made me more curious and confused at the same time and then from like I was I I needed to know more I was hungry to know more and then in addition we start getting this eventually the marketing campaign starts rolling out and the cast is participating on this on, on Instagram particularly where we're getting these very stylized psychosexual tiles on Kendrick and Lively's Instagrams that were just like the pact that these people made agreeing to promote this movie and going so all in on its weird sexual play tone queerness from the start I was just like this is not like there's no way this can live up to what I want it to be because I'm having so much fun with what it could yeah. be. Like there, there's that one in particular of uh, Blake Lively standing like in front of a kitchen counter, I think it was, and there's just a naked man in front of her, and his legs are up in like yes. the V in front of her body, and she's just like holding him by the knees, staring like aggressively at the camera. <laughs> it was like, and a- she just posted that on her own Instagram. Yes, it was such a like. It was like uh, very desperate housewives mm, uh, yes. with it a, was very Mark yes. Cherry, yeah, with like a, a like a thriller like psychosexual twist. Which is not to say Desperate Housewives was not, was not also psychosexual. We all know it <laughs> sure was, was, but <laughs> <laughs> this felt it felt different. You did get the sense of the queerness right away, and that kind of scared me because I was like, "There's no way there's any actual mm-hmm. like canonical queerness in this film." Yeah, and then no, you know there there could have been more, but there was it was there it was it was canon, canon. it was canon it, is it canon. was yeah. canon. <laughs> <laughs> and I choose to believe that well, Linda Cardellini the... was not acting. I think that's just what she does. <laughs> I think she she just rolled on the set that day. She was like, "Yeah, I've been painting she was knives. Like, I have, I have been painting knives and dreaming of Blake Lively for decades." <laughs> Paul Feig was like, "You guys, I've known Linda for a long time. Here's something you might not know about her, and I think if we just show up, she'll let I us." I think know. it's similar to um, Lucy Liu's lesbian erotica painting that right. Linda Cardellini is just out here painting knives and thinking about Blake Lively. Anyway, I blew my whole career painting that con artist. Now all I paint are these goddamn knives, which are pretty good, but no one wants to buy this shit. What? They're so good. People are just jealous. 
there is a direct line between those two, and I think that that means that Lucy Lou should come on our podcast. Uh, and there it is. <laughs> yeah, ultimately, yes. <laughs> well, in that in that Instagram too, the caption for that was, I believe, it's my turn. Was mm-hmm. what it said, like you know, allegedly, I guess, spoken from the point of view of Blake, and it's like, so like any like all all the meanings therein of what my turn could have been. It's like it's your turn to peg a man. <laughs> it's your turn to kill a man it's your it's what is it your turn for say more blake like let me know yeah i also think we should just commend jordan on her genuinely encyclopedic knowledge of the marketing campaign something which i remember i remember being perplexed and interested but certainly couldn't Mm -hmm. remember captions not like that. Yes, I, don't I, remember I mean the that captions. was that was the one that that was the post in particular, famously that Ryan Reynolds commented on and just said he seems nice. <laughs> so I mean, and this was this was really like I, I felt like what we got from from this marketing campaign, as you know, as we will get on in the Blake through aspect of this movie, is that it kind of like to me was also, and I think we'll talk about this too because we're going to talk about sort of like the real life fictional parallels mm-hmm. and sort of the way that Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively's images inform their their roles in this movie it kind of contextualized even further for me like the relationship between ryan reynolds and blake lively where yes. i feel like the sort of popular perception to this point in a post serena vanderwoodson era was like blake made the, her image very much attached to preserve dot us <laughs> and the the plantation wedding and her brief run as a lifestyle one out for preserve, and this was like team. oh <laughs> <laughs> r.i.p to preserve Pull out your monogrammed <laughs> antique baby spoons and and take a scoop of something sweet per, for preserve. And it was like, oh, I feel like I'm seeing a, like a window into the this like this is also Ryan Reynolds wife. And these people have worked out together for a long time. And he is very much Deadpool. <laughs> and apparently she is very much like she is very much striving to be like a a, a top, a dom <laughs> in, a, in a in a crazy queer murder mystery noir and let's say it works for her it is it it works yes she is the ultimate top in this film as you know (laughs) as a person who was like not a big fan of the gossip girl tv show because i was a lunatic who read the books and i kept being like vanessa (laughs) was bald this show makes no sense um which is like deeply unwell of my brain uh, I never really got the Blake Lively thing, and I entered this movie being mm. like, sure, it's Blake Lively, she's very beautiful, we'll just look at it. And I left a stan and said, okay, I guess I, I genuinely tweeted, I guess I stand Blake Lively, with like 800 question marks <laughs> after leaving this movie. Um, which, fine, I'm fine with it. And I wish yeah, it is more of that, more of this fun stuff came with her apparent desire yeah. to do just like dark, creepy movies all the time. Yes, it is her most compelling performance by far, in my opinion. Yes. And I think she's got more in her, like, in the future. But this one really, like, I was like, oh, you committed. (laughs) You committed. You brought your husband's gin brand into it. It's like, (laughs) it really does. This movie really does feel like a, um, like, they threw a bunch of different, like, Mm well-known brands and how we think of different people, like, little scraps of that into, into a mixing pot. And we're like, yes, we have a high strung Anna Kendrick in like her all one of all, her best roles as well like they're both so yes. perfectly cast perfectly pitched. and it does it plays perfectly on how we think about and talk about both of these women in the weird problematic Hollywood machine mm-hmm. and it yeah but it takes that and makes it the most entertaining version of itself that also feels like building something new on top of both of these people yes which I think we can 
say thank you to our king Paul Feig for that. I think he yes, really knew and, what he was yeah. doing and like he knew what he was getting with these actresses and how to use that to like their advantage to the movie's advantage to the audience's advantage frankly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, and it also well, feels you... like it builds on the Paul Feig canon mm-hmm. too. Like mm-hmm. like throughout like he is most known for the broad comedies, the bridesmaids, stuff like that. But so people didn't necessarily expect this from him because it was kind of also marketed as like Paul Feig does a drama. So like, but also when you sit in the theater, you realize it's way more than Paul Feig suddenly does a drama. It's it's yeah. following with his history of, you know, mixing genres with The Heat and with Spy and with Ghostbusters too. Like this, it, it very much fits with what he wants to do, but expands on it and grows him and grows his filmography. Yeah, I think when I was finding A Simple Favor, the thing that I kept being confused about was like, okay, I get this. We're trying to do like a Gone Girl. We're trying to do like something dark. But Paul Feig Mm -hmm. doesn't do that. So what does that look like? And even in my wildest dreams, I don't think I could have conceptualized what he had given us um, just from like the marketing alone. Just exceeded expectations. Because so so much in this film feels and is inherently dark, but it, the film itself does not feel, it doesn't weigh you down. It's not mm-hmm. like bleak in the way that Gone Girl is bleak. And I love yeah. Gone Girl, both the book and the Same. movie, but like, it's just, it, and it is very much there. These two films are very much paired, but it's also, this one is so much sparkier mm-hmm. and different. Mm-hmm. And like, it does really play off of his history with comedy and kind of the the sense that he just like threw a bunch of alts alt lines at the actors like throughout scenes mm-hmm. like it really feels a part of his work as well as a part of like this huge genre that also goes to like Hitchcock and like mm-hmm. and Rebecca yeah and, and like, like all the of Di- that the diabolique reference is mm-hmm. in there because like are you know it's are you trying to diabolique me Anna Kendrick screams at you know Blake Lively's husband in this movie. But it's also like, oh yeah, like I see what you're doing here. Like you're 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 giving me this you're giving me this reference because you're also wearing this reference on your sleeve right now. Mm-hmm. And I I really what uh, a thing that I like I was sitting the first time I watched it, I was actually at home and I was I, I I watched it via streaming and I was just I was enraptured from start to finish. It was one of the things where like I I like you know it's fun to live tweet through a movie sometimes just to, like bring people with you. But this one like I didn't even want to pick up my phone occasionally, but for just like gifting a Blake. Sure. taking a suit on or off moment and being like wow this is really putting me through it um but watching it and feeling so surprised at sort of every turn like you at once feel like you trust the filmmaker that you're in the hands of while being you feel a bit unsafe in them too because at every turn your expectations for this movie throughout it are sort of being upended and I feel like to involve like the number of sort of the grades of twists that go on throughout a simple favor to by the end feel like the twists can still surprise you Mm -hmm. is such an incredible feat. And what I really, I, this is why I love genre films and, and, and horror specifically is the sort of like thrill ride experience of it. Feeling like you're on that roller coaster with people. And I think the most joyful movie experiences are when you feel like everybody involved seem to really enjoy being on that roller coaster too. Yes. And I I felt that acutely in birds of prey watching it this year. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like I could feel the pop and the magic between like Christina Hodson and Kathy Yen and Margot Robbie and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And I feel like everybody was on the same page and watching this, it was that similar sense of like, why do I feel like Paul Feig, Anna Kendrick, Blake Lively, Henry Golding were all having so much fun on this set together? And it seemed like 
you know, we get such great, like, female friendship movies from Paul Feig, and he has a wonderful way of, con- he has a wonderful way of conveying his understanding of, like, the, the generosity and brightness of, like, female intimacy and, and the non-romantic forms that that can take. But then with something like this, too, it was like, wow, you took this this book and this Jessica Scharzer script, and you understand that you have, like, an even broader appreciation and an ability to empathize with the m- multi-layered ways in which women connect with one another that don't ever involve men and don't need to. Yes. And I'm so happy yes. about that. Like, yes. I'm so excited yes. that you are, you really are one of the good ones. Like, the you really are an ally because you are like letting this like we we like the fun happy stuff that you let women be on screen together too but you also understand the sort of fun of the savagery Mm -hmm. and the sort of like (laughs) persona women's female double screen thing without delving into the toxicity of just being like man women in a room together fucking crazy (laughs) right yeah there is a like an element to this where it's like I was reading about the origins of the film and it took a while for uh, people to start actually taking notice of this script mm-hmm. of the adaptation. And one of the theories around that is because it is, I think, a rare version of this genre that actually centers the women. Like, if you think about yeah. it, like, Gone Girl mm-hmm. still is centered, especially the film, mainly around men and their sad feelings about their psycho yeah. wives yep. <laughs> who are doing cre- totally. wild wacky things why are they ruining our lives even when <laughs> they like take even when they do take interest in the psychology of those women it's not it's still centered around the feelings of the men like the men in this movie are so tertiary henry golding oh, is man. a beautiful man in this movie <laughs> but like does he, he have an like, interior only... life not as much but like it's it still works great because you don't care you care about he exists these women. to be nagged by blake lively like that's his <laughs> he's, whole deal he's yanked around by these women and we fully center on these women right and it, it does yeah. feel like it is a character study of those two psychologies and like how they butt up together in a way that works so well in this particular thriller and also kind of if you distill it down does go back to like those high school tropes and goes back to gossip girl Mm -hmm. even like it it all goes back to what you were talking about of like the tangled social webs of the different way that ways that women relate to each other even when it comes to like the queerness and the fact that she Mm -hmm. doesn't really know if she wants to sleep with Blake's character or if she wants to be Blake's character if she wants to murder her character and take over her life all of it works not knowing that's what queer culture is who who amongst us did not have a crush in middle school or high school where we had to ask ourselves do I want to be them Mm -hmm. do I want to kiss Mm -hmm. them do I want it's to like, steal just their so, skin? This, this person's just so cool. Like, I just, like, hang out with them. Like, they're just so cool, okay? Yes. Like, I just think they're really cool. Yes. And, like, from the and very can... beginning, that, like, um, Anna Kendrick uh, opening of, yeah, so my best friend disappeared. Yeah, I've, we met, like, three weeks ago. <laughs> I genuinely think it was that moment. The opening of this movie is pitched so brilliantly that, like, I instantly yeah. understood what was happening and, like, was totally yes. on board for the ride. Like, from the minute that blogging platform opened, I was just like, yes, yes. this is what I needed to see. This is exactly who Anna Kendrick is. Hi, moms. Yes. Hi, moms. Hi, moms. <laughs> Maybe that's how we should open the podcast. Yes. Hi, moms. Hi, Hi moms. moms. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that too, like it, I, I think another <clears throat> another way in which 
this movie just felt very so deeply satisfying to me was that like I was having the tawdry fun of it and there's so many wonderful salacious bit like so much more surprisingly salacious than you think they're going to be particularly involving Anna Kendrick's character throughout the movie and but at the same time like you it's given it gives equal weight and and equal respect to each of the personality types that you see manifesting in in both Blake and and Anna's characters where like there there are great moments where you're just like you do you are kind of really in awe of Anna's character as a mom yeah you're like wow no this act this is this woman is a great when she sits down with like the little boy who thinks his mother has just died and just like has a one-on and that little boy is mad at her and she's like no we're just gonna have a one-on-one here in the grass and like you're not my favorite dinner guest right now either mister like (laughs) but she's never flat or or um sort of patronized to in that way and it gives equal strength while poking fun yeah. to each mm-hmm. of the archetypes that the women plays through throughout the movie and that like you don't get that much kind of you don't get that much sort of care and attention to all the versions of what women can be mm-hmm. let alone like across multiple movies let alone right. in one movie and it made you feel like you're having a, a fun sexy time with it but then you get those points where by the end of it you realize where you like these people so much and it's because you actually see them as whole characters and, yes. and whole beings and you're like oh wait I'm actually deeply invested in you I'm not just having fun I really care about yes. these people and, that, and when you're on that roller coaster you kind of forget that that's happening I think that's the best trick of all absolutely like, wow, you actually made a tender film yeah I think that's like yes I think that's like like credit to Jessica Sarger and mm-hmm. like whatever Paul Feig did too like I don't know I haven't read the original script but it does feel like it is such a it feels like a masterclass in playing with genre while really actually investing in character like the ways mm-hmm. that they show us who these people are whether it's Anna Kendrick doing a little dance by herself in Blake Lively's <laughs> house when she yes. first arrives mm-hmm. or like the motherhood thing mm-hmm. uh just little things really tell you who these people yeah. are um and really right. stick I was with thinking you about that all night last night as I was watching oh my god there are so many little things mm-hmm. happening in this movie that I was too enraptured to sort of catch in earlier viewings yes. you know trying to like really pick through it critically and, and there are just so many little things implicitly the entire time that are embedding who these people are yeah. in the fabric of the film. I was like, wow, what a bunch Truly. of work going on here that I didn't <laughs> even know I was doing to absorb and even, like, thinking about Blake's character as, like, her high-powered career mom and, like, that most of mm-hmm. her job, she says, and the, and the whole script knows, is just telling a man to chill the fuck out. Like, that's her job. <laughs> yes. And, like, yes. the fact that the movie understands that and she's just like, whatever, yeah, I make a ton of money and I work all the time, but, like, mostly I just have to tell this guy to chill the fuck out and, like, take some drugs and leave me alone. Like, <laughs> yes. relatable content. Dennis, sweetie, let's try this again. Um, okay, I want you to go home and chill the fuck out and don't ever call me again. Bye. That's how you talk to your boss? Yeah, yeah, you gotta go right at them, especially the powerful ones. Or they will fuck you in the face. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> my job like, is to dom my boss that yes. is what my job is yeah so that uh, yeah is that rupert everett no no that be. is he's the he's from um he's i remember him best from homeland i think he's the ass- dominant like no. one of the assassin in season one of homeland huh. he's always kind of like he always plays kind of a tough rupert friend a, mm, that's the rupert one friend. um there there is something super fascinating to me or there's something super cool to me about the way that this 
movie uh, pokes fun at kind of girl power feminism mm-hmm. also like mm-hmm. the, just like yeah. by saying it th- by saying the certain catchphrases through these women who are clearly abusing it for just their purposes <laughs> of not having to feel guilty about the wacky lives that they're leading like the <laughs> the refrain of like no you don't have to say sorry yes. like you don't have to say sorry mm-hmm. for the things that you do and every single thing that they do in this movie they should probably apologize for <laughs> but it <laughs> sorry i'm not sorry oh i'm still working on that no, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this and and for you uh-huh. and for feminism. That's why I'm not apologizing for destroying your life. <laughs> That's like kind of the plot of the entire movie and that I appreciate that. Yes, exactly. Like no, but like I'm destroying your life, but like I'm a woman destroying your life, so like lean in, girl. Like get over it. Yeah. <laughs> you like lean in, appreciate that I'm just a strong woman. And I won't say something. I am just if a man disappeared and like <laughs> scammed you for a million dollars, wouldn't you just call him a boss? <laughs> like, that type yeah. of like Taylor Swift said in her recent song, The Man, <laughs> she'd be, you know, she'd be a baller, not a bitch. So famously, as probably the resident Taylor Swift scholar and white person, I will try and bring her up. I'm really, really glad you're living to your She seems relevant here. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. I do want to no, know her thoughts on. I do want to know Taylor's thoughts on this film spe- specifically. I would love to hear wine drunk Taylor Swift's thoughts. Yes, on specifically wine drunk Taylor Swift. Message yeah. out to wine drunk Taylor <laughs> Swift wherever you are in quarantine. Just yep. we want you to know that you are welcome on this podcast because we do want to have your you thoughts on a simple favor. Yeah. We know you. We know you know Blake. Like we, you're, you're, yes. you, know, you know these people. Yes, she's been at Fourth of July with Ryan Reynolds. Like this is this is part of your life. So you know any insights would be welcome. Taylor I'm fascinated Swift. that we're <laughs> discovering how much a simple favor connects to genuinely everything in culture. Um, it has imprinted <laughs> on everything, and it it that is incredible. I think we should celebrate that. And I'm glad that we are in the form we of this podcast. Do need to celebrate that. <laughs> and I think that's why I think that is why we're here because people don't even realize that this movie is running through their life just subcutaneously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they they need to be able to to tie this touchstone to things in their own life to contextualize things about themselves. I, I think yes. if one allows this movie to really wash over them like a rain, uh, mm-hmm. I think it can be very instructive. I think people can really learn a lot about who they are and their interiority from a simple favor. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. What a beautiful way to phrase that. That's, <laughs> that's what we're here to do. That is the yeah. mission. No, and, and like, the, the mission being, I, I think, like, nailed down to a point, like what we've talked about before in our sort of mini planning stages for this is, why does a simple favor belong in the film canon? And I think we've touched on, we've touched on a lot of, like, the delights of it here, but why, my friends, does simple <laughs> favor belong in the film canon properly? Personally, I think that it is a masterful <laughs> mixture of genre mm-hmm. that I, in because it mixes so many different things, it isn't quite what people expect of that genre in kind of a similar way to say a knives out or a crimson Mm -hmm. peak. People Mm -hmm. sit in the theater and they don't know exactly that that is what they're getting. They think Mm -hmm. that maybe they're in they're in there like about to see kind of the more typical version with the more typical, like it, it still plays with all of those tropes, but it kind of twists them. Yeah, And so th- I think that is what caused people to sometimes be disappointed by the film is because of that expectation. And I mm-hmm. think that it actually makes it all the more brilliant that it decides to 
play with them. Like it is a noir, it is a thriller, and it also is a character comedy. Like there's, it's all of those things together, and I think that that is what makes it good. I totally agree. I, agree. I also believe that the use of their, the metatextual use of their personal, these actresses' personalities in 100%. their characters is like so brilliant and one of those things that mm-hmm. I think some of the best films utilize in a way that I think mm-hmm. sometimes we like forget about like oh no we're bringing all of this baggage with like knowing these actresses mm-hmm. and knowing and our like current mm-hmm. ability to see what they're up to on Instagram or via Twitter at all mm-hmm. times like we're bringing all of this textual knowledge to this film and I think this is a brilliant use of that and give mm-hmm. the man million Oscars please please i i some of my absolute favorite movies i think thrive the most on on incorporating exactly that christina like jennifer's body with the casting yes. of fox both allison williams deployment in yep. get out and the perfection mm-hmm. and and her very much self-awareness having i've been able to interview her a couple of times a couple of times and her awareness about how the public's knowledge of her informs what they're going to assume about her performances mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how she wants to both support those assumptions in order to give people a sense of comfort to then make it more sort of powerful when she can subvert those expectations yes. and have that be like an added part of of the the narrative the the meta textual experience is something and i think i think th- th- I, I, this movie absolutely fits squarely in that and I, I think something that's really important to me about this movie and why i would like for i'm really excited about us having this very detailed kind of context in which to unpack it is that in the way that uh, horror films have have sort of ascended to a different point of cult, like cultural mm-hmm. critique in the way that they're sort of taken more seriously in a sort of post-let-the-right-one-in, post-Babadook sort of world, um, horror has always been a valid form of art and it has been recognized as such at various points and ways throughout the history of, of the genre. But it is at still, still at baseline broadly sort of considered, I think, to be a niche interest and to be something that when it succeeds wildly, that it's punching above its weight and that at baseline we shouldn't expect it to do so well or be so good or be so poignant. And I think something like this, like a women's picture, something like, you know, a, a, a noir crime film, neo-noir psychosexual crime film centering women, I think is understood to sort of exist at this level of having a sort of maximum start value of maybe like a six or right. a seven. Right. And if it hits those levels, it's like, good for you. Kind of like <laughs> yes. quiet, polite clap. And then if yeah, it the becomes... Exactly. And if it becomes diabolique, it becomes like a singular example of transcendent cinema in mm-hmm. which like women can be in a room together without a man. Whereas I, I what I want the conversation to evolve more into, it's that broader respect for, for genre cinema and cinema representing women yes. in the sense that it is not mm-hmm. niche. This movie is mainstream, big, flashy, expensive, sexy, very good. Mm-hmm. This isn't something that is like only a women's picture. This isn't something that's like, oh, it's fun because it's salacious and it because it like utilizes proper fetish objectification of women. No, I think this belong this film belong deserves to be canonized because it should absolutely be taken seriously for all of the technical and artistic and like you said, even meta textual narrative aspects of it that come into it and are executed so elegantly. So we should be having this conference. Like, yes, I will sit here and be like, this is one of the best movies of 2018. Like, what movies won Oscars in 2018? I like this movie probably more than most of them. Yes. And I think it was exactly as well executed as the best of whatever you could offer to me. Strong agree. Mm-hmm. Strong yeah, co-sign. My, I remember my favorite, my favorite films of 2018 included, uh, it was this film and uh, The Favorite. Mm. Yeah, I believe. Yes. And though oh, I feel like there's a, a lot of overlap there's a lot of overlap there. 
like a There's lot. A lot <laughs> they're kind there. of they're very similar plots. <laughs> oh my uh, and god! And very yeah. similar levels of queerness, although there is slightly more kind of lingus in the favorite. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> I will give what point to the favorite, but I think right. that but a simple bl- favor. I would say that Blake Lively and Rachel Weiss were at least ethereally yes. in the universe existing in communication oh, with yes. no doubt. contributing character to the uh to the canon of tops and films <laughs> 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 very aggressively <laughs> and i think you that the simple to- favor should have been part of the oscars conversation at minimum in the costumes but also you know screenplay yeah. like like a lot of different yeah. things i think could have come from this if the genre were more respected mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh because i think once you infuse comedy in something people want it yeah. and once you infuse comedy in something and once it is actually centered about women and all of those things mixed together there it's harder for it to break through which paul Feig's, uh which paul Feig did once with bridesmaids mm-hmm. but I would really love to see that, you know, happen more with these types of movies. Right, which I think is, like, famously the Oscars have a problem with women, but also understanding comedy (laughs) as something to be valued. And I think a lot of the times we're like, oh, this movie was really funny. It will get Golden Globe nominations. It might get a SAG. But it will not be respected in the Oscar conversation because, like, that's not what the Oscars are for. We all kind of just, like, expect that at this point. Like, that's where we see our dark movies about men dealing with problems. And, like, if there's a supportive Mm -hmm. woman who is probably British, she will be nominated (laughs) in the supporting category. Mm -hmm. And, like, if there's a tyrannical mom, she'll be nominated for lead. And, like, that's what the Oscars want. And that's all that they can handle. (laughs) Um, which right. is why the Golden Globes fucking slap because they're ridiculous and everyone's wasted. <laughs> also. And now we will pivot to perhaps our favorite segment, which is how do we feel about Brother Lover this week? Don't. I'm Brother Lover! This is good. Uh, perhaps this film's uh, wackiest. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> subplot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is that Anna Kendrick did in fact fuck her brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anna Kendrick's character did, in fact, fuck her right, brother. Sure. Do not want to get sued important by Anna Kendrick. Im- important distinction. Yes, we can yes. make that clear. Yes. You know, I think <laughs> in this first um, moment of Brother Lover, I think we should all talk about how we felt when Brother Lover was first delivered to us. <laughs> because really I cute. had the good fortune of seeing this film in a theater. It was a really good, like, audience reaction movie oh, because good. everyone was kind of similarly like confused and then delighted and then like confused again but <laughs> always like with a base of delight and the gasp and then immediate laughter that <laughs> followed after yes. Anna Kendrick and confessed that she did in fact fuck her brother was <laughs> just really um, one of the best reactions I've had from an audience in a theater. It was incredible. We Amazing. were all on the same journey and I personally was like happy to be there with those folks. And in that time, a very special time when I used to go to movie theaters. Yes, my my first time watching this movie, I like had meant to see it in theaters. I like it was top of my list, but I just did not get to a movie theater in that period of time to see anything. It was like I kept being like, no, I want to see a simple favor. All of my friends have seen it. I haven't seen it yet. (laughs) So the second it got on 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 um, video, uh, the second I could buy it at home, I did. (laughs) And I watched it alone (laughs) in my living room. And Mm -hmm. like when that happened, I was just like, what is this movie? I think that's when I was like, I was already very enthralled i was already like mm-hmm. this is very queer subtexty everyone looks amazing i'm already having a great time but this is when i was like what 
Yeah. I think that <laughs> was a moment where we all realized that this film was going to do, like, a lot of crazy things. And they really just, like, yeah. threw the door open with, like, brother fucker. And then just decided <laughs> that, like, anything else could happen. And I was thrilled. Yes. And I... I feel like we need to talk about the, like, even just the construction of that scene where it is these two, like, it's such a different take on the, on two women bonding and getting to know each other <laughs> and these two different archetypes of women and just Blake Lively's, Blake Lively's performance during this, just Blake watching Lively's her face acting, yes. her face acting in this her, is just, her, her growing shock is our growing shock and her, <laughs> I, we should probably like throw the clip in there, but her like grabbing Anna Kendrick's arm and being like, "You can't stop telling me the story now. You need to, you need to continue telling me the story," and like not believing her that she they only made out because clearly they did not only make out, and then just calling her brother fucker for the rest of the movie. It is perfect. It's a perfect encapsulation of these two women and the fact yeah. that they are both completely bonkers and they, and they are going bonkers against each other the entire time. I and I, I think my the the initial watch for me it was it was that moment like you said it peels back like oh they're gonna do crazy shit in this movie and it was the it was so like it hit me and my I I pa- I had to pause so I could I rewound <laughs> and I watched just the reveal of it multiple times because I was like I I, I for, in that sense I was grateful I wish I would have been with an audience and I will find a way to stage this at a screening somewhere mm. in L A. Um, so we can all be together again and relive a simple favor. But to watch it at home and just be able to repeat it was like, my ears did not deceive me. This is, this tension <laughs> built up to exactly what I didn't think it was going to do. Because you're watching it, like, the, the great thing that they, one of the genius things that happens in this movie is as people are lying, you're seeing the tape of exactly what yes. did happen. You're watching them be liars while the person receiving the information cannot yet know yet if that is the truth. (laughs) And so we're watching it happen, but you don't yet know if the movie is like playing out a fantasy or a reality. So when then she calls her out and she's like, that's not all that happened. That's not all that happened. Then brother fucker. You're like, oh my God, the video is real. That's what this movie is going to get up to. And this is amazing. And the the simple fact of Blake Lively shouting brother fucker. Yes, and what a what amazing. A, what a beautiful way to show these women also kind of falling for each mm-hmm. other. Like yes. that's how that's that is how this movie tells us that these women are actually enamored with each other because it would be so yeah. easy in this film to just believe that it was completely one-sided that Blake mm-hmm. Lively's character you know, just is pities Anna Kendrick's character because they do play with yeah. that mm-hmm. too, and that is like the trope. And she needs child but, and then, care. And obviously, it's so real. Yeah, and it's ob- so yeah. real. And obviously, Anna Kendrick's character is completely immediately in love with Blake Lively's character. But I feel like in this scene, Relatable. you kind of get it. You actually see that it does become mutual. Where they, mm-hmm. she, Blake Lively's character sees something in Anna Kendrick's character that she does. I don't know if relates to is the word, but she does like gravitate towards this chaotic energy she that she it. also yeah. has. She yeah. respects yeah. it and she respects mm-hmm. her for being Motherfucker, I like you. So ballsy as to fuck her brother. I don't know. <laughs> she sees something out of the ordinary about this woman that is just completely off the wall and is like, okay, like maybe it's not like, we're equals, but you are more right. of a match to me than I would have assumed having seen you right. at like at the school There's before a this. Similar darkness and fucked upness in you that is yes. also in me, yeah. and I see that and respect you for that. We should also say 
that her brother Chris is played by Dustin Mulligan, yes. who was also Ted yes. in Shit's yeah. Creek, which yes. is just we perfect. need to <laughs> we yeah. need to un- we will unpack that in future episodes we have to. yeah that will be Again, that will be this is a recurring segment we will be discussing yeah this is a furniture item yes yeah we, and i think i do my last thing would be like just to your point about you know what you're saying like th- this is the moment like where the these two people are falling for each other for real i think it is I, I think it might be the first moment in the movie where we actually see blake's character we actually see emily all the performance is gone and she is genuinely <laughs> wrapped by the yes. story. There's no posturing. There is no sort of like alpha bitch guys <laughs> that she is wearing. She truly cannot help but succumb <laughs> to the madness of brother fuckery that brother fuckery. Anna Kendrick character is giving her. And you're just like, this story is so good and so crazy and so accurately portrayed as such <laughs> that not even Queen of Cool Emily can keep her shit together right now and she needs to turn the page on this book. Look, she fiction. took her dickies off and she is, <laughs> yeah. you know, dressed down. She has removed her armor and she's having a moment. <laughs> That's really beautiful. Even Anna Kendrick's is like, Anna Kendrick's slight slur as she's telling the story. Like oh, She's God. like, yeah, so I was just like, I just made out with him. Because he looked you know, like my dad. <laughs> nobody'd ever seen me before, and I was lonely. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. Perfection. Perfect. It is a this, perfect moment in cinema. This week in Brotherfucker. <laughs> what a strong start. Yes, yes. I feel like every week in Brotherfucker will be an adventure for us, and I look forward <laughs> yeah, to I it. Yeah, I couldn't predict it, and I won't predict what we're going to get up to in those in these segments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've got some good stuff coming to you we've got episodes on costumes mm-hmm. episodes on blake and emily mm-hmm. uh you know the blake through of it all episodes mm-hmm. on anna kendrick and her character uh episodes on genre and psychosexual tension and queerness you know we've mm-hmm. got it all yeah <laughs> to you hot we've got pods. so many delights coming to you guys yep yeah a simple pod that is not simple at Mm-mm. all <laughs> All right, uh, now uh, that you guys have collected yourselves from the brother fuckery discussion, uh, that's where we're going to leave you. We're going to leave you to just marinate in your feelings about that. And and like Alana said, we've got a lot coming your way that like we're just going to have a really joyful time talking about. So we, we hope that you will join in on that conversation with us if you like. Uh, we'll be around on Twitter. Uh, we will not be maintaining a standalone account for this, which would be an unreasonable ask. So <laughs> I hope you weren't expecting that. But you can find us on Twitter. And if you want to engage with hashtag a simple pod, there will be. Where can we find you? Yes. I'm, I, well, I guess I'll say I'm at Jorcru, J-O-R-C-R-U. And where can we find you, Christina? You can find me at C underscore Grace T on Twitter.com, the website. Alana, how about you? You can find me at Alana Bennett, at Alana Bennett, A-L-A-N-N-A-B-E-N-N-E-T-T. Lots of double consonants. (laughs) Double consonants, girl, represent. (laughs) So yeah, uh, you know, chat with us about this and let's all together, let's make a simple favor go wider than it did the first time. And let's, let's take the inside joke and let's bring everybody into it so we can revel in this together. We need to spread this gospel. Yes. Welcome to our corner. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Bye, moms. Bye, moms. (laughs) Love the double meaning of that. Bye, moms.